to the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. And we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks so much for being here, and if you like what you hear, please share with the show with a friend. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 287 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast. It's Jessica, my kids are officially back to school this week, and I must say, I'm pretty proud of myself. (laughs) Compared to last year's three-week Christmas break, this year was so much more successful and I had such a better attitude about it, just really took advantage of the great things about not having a schedule, being more relaxed, being flexible, doing things we don't normally do, things like that. Just taking things a little bit easier versus stressing about the things that drive me bonkers about not having a schedule, right? And so by doing that, it was great. And it's also great to have my kids back in school. So here we go. Today's episode is so fantastic. It's with my friend Whitney Archibald. Whitney, you may know her from How She Moms. She has a podcast and a blog, and she's just overall a fantastic human. We're going to talk about how her motherhood drastically changed when she started treating motherhood as a real profession. She realized that she wasn't getting any official training as a mom, and not that there really exists any, and there's not one right way to mother, but she started treating everything that she was doing as a mom as kind of a course of sorts. She wanted to learn how to meal prep and cook better, and so she took a month to really dedicate herself to that. To improve in photography, you might do that for a month. And she really just went in depth and decided the skills she really wanted to work on and then worked on mastering those the best she could. It's a fascinating way to view motherhood, and I am all about it and feel really supercharged now that it's the start of a new year. So I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with Whitney. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Whitney Archibald today. Hi, Whitney. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Glad to be on. I love your show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm a fan of yours as well, and we kind of have a random connection. I know two of your siblings, and that's maybe how we first got connected, Um, but I was telling you before the call, when we moved out of Provo, um, when we were moving to Michigan, your brother, Brett, single-handedly Tetris'd all of our stuff into our very small packing cube, and (laughs) so we're very grateful to to your siblings and to your whole family. (laughs) I'm so glad. They're, They're excellent people. Yes, and you have a very talented family. You're all singers. We are. We love to sing together. That's our favorite way to spend our time. That was always my dream to have a family band, and I have three little boys, and so I'm not totally discounting that this can still happen, but we're just not going to have quite the robustness of range, probably, that I had anticipated when I started setting out having my <laughs> kids. But, I mean, my middle son, he'll sing with me in church, and um, he has a real interest in it. The older son sings very well, but is more inhibited. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think music is such a wonderful way to bring people together and to you know just share share joy really yeah I have a bunch of boys too I have four boys and one girl and so yeah same same kind of range as you have (laughs) but my I've got my three oldest boys they've they've started a kind of a garage band they have a another friend that's a drummer so 
They've all got their instruments. They switch off singing. It's pretty awesome. That really is awesome. That is so fabulous. I love that. So Whitney, for people that don't know you yet, will you give your little background on yourself and your family? Yeah. So um, I already said I have four boys and a girl. I actually, two years ago, I started a blog called How She Moms. And this March, I turned that into a podcast. I've always been a super big podcast fan. And it always seemed too intimidating to start myself, but I just decided to go for it. And now I love it. It is so fun. It's even more fun than writing. I mean, I write for the podcast, but it's more fun than just blogging to me. And so I used to be a blogger that podcasts on the Mm -hmm. side, and now I'm a podcaster that blogs a little on the side. (laughs) I love that. And I love how when you're open to new iterations of your talents and your interests and things like that, like the world is really your oyster, right? And so I think when blogging started to phase out a little bit and people started consuming podcasts more, when you're able to jump on that bandwagon and realize, oh, well, this is – this is great too. And this is just how people want to consume information and consume my information and everything like that. When you're able to pivot and adjust, it doesn't mean, you know, something has to go away entirely. It's just kind of a new iteration of, of the old thing. Yeah. Well, and I've always been, I've always maintained that podcasts are the best things that ever happened to moms because (laughs) we need to, we need to keep our minds active and we need to keep learning But our hands are busy a lot of the time. And so from the very beginning, I have a 14-year-old. And from the time he was born, I have been a junkie. There wasn't a lot available back then. But Mm -hmm. I I just learn everything I can. I have some that I listen to for entertainment, some for learning, and some for career development, like the motherhood ones. So I just uh, can't say enough about how important this movement is to motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, so my oldest is nine years old. Your oldest is what, 14? Uh-huh. Yeah, so you've been listening even longer than I have. But I remember when, when my son was baby baby and I was you know just struggling with, with identity and feeling like I was alone and am I doing this thing right and everything. I found Power of Moms and – that was the first podcast I listened to, but I didn't even know there was a podcast app on my phone and you could listen that way. And so I'd literally carry around my laptop all around the house <laughs> as I was cleaning. And I was still hands-free because my lap I could just set down my laptop. But I just laughed thinking I remember sorting through clothes and switching out seasons and my laptop was <laughs> set up in the closet with me and everything. But it was so incredibly validating during that time. And it's like I got so many – good new ideas and it felt like a conversation with an adult when I wasn't having many of those in that season of life. So it was really yeah, it's I, true. similar. I, I even feel like I'm a bit of a stalker sometimes because I know the ins and outs of so many people that I'm yeah. like a super fan of their podcast and they have no idea who I am. So yeah. I I mean kind of like you. Like, Same. Uh, <laughs> Do you have like three podcasts that you never miss an episode on in, in any, uh, genre? Oh boy. So, um, in an unrelated genre to motherhood, I always catch, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history. Mm. I love that podcast. As far as motherhood goes, I listen to Rachel Nielsen's three and 30 podcast. Yep. Um, I listen to family looking up every week and I listen to what fresh hell, which is so hilarious. What is um, that? Those are the three that I, I know when they come out and I listen every week. Um, but there are so many, a new one that I'm really loving is uh, heavyweight by Jonathan Goldstein. He is a master storyteller 
and the stories are so touching. He's bringing people together from their past. It's one of my, it's, it's a masterpiece. Oh, that's so good. Well, there's a few new ones on that list that I have not listened to, so I'll have to add those to my queue. And the beauty with podcasts is it's all free. And so, yes, you have limited time to consume all these things, but you don't have to pick and choose, you know, kind of like subscribing to magazines. Like, you can, you know, add a bunch to your queue, and if certain topics resonate with you, and you do find ones that you want to listen to every week and others that you kind of just sporadically tune into, which I think is fantastic. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt the show. I'm about to share my favorite podcast lately, but I wanted to thank our show sponsor that makes this podcast possible, and that is Highlands. Now, many associate ear pain with summer activities, but did you know that winter colds and flu contribute to sinus infections? And sinus infections are one of the top 10 causes for ear pain. Did you also know that earaches are one of the primary causes for doctor visits with over 30 million visits per year? Well, Highlands can help. After you've been diagnosed with an earache by a physician, try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets provide natural relief to help you get back to doing what you love. Visit highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S dot com slash ear hyphen pain to find a retailer near you. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated, read and follow label directions. Thanks so much to Highlands for sponsoring the show. And I hope that if ear pain afflicts anyone in your family this season, you will have Highlands to back you up. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Whitney. A couple that I love, I love listening to Ellen on the go. I love Ellen DeGeneres. And so it's her producers doing a behind the scenes and doing little clips from the show from the week. They do a fantastic job. Um, A new one that I've loved listening to is All In. That has been a fantastic one um, about faith. Um, Awesome with Allison. Oh, and the Popcast. Are you familiar with the Popcast? Yes, yeah. They are yeah, and so I like all in as well. funny. They are so funny. And even if you're not super into pop culture, they just kind of break down things. They'll do like Urban Dictionary and they'll kind of just riff on the funny Urban Dictionary words. Or they'll do a Bachelorette rundown of all the contestants before a season starts. And they're just so hilarious and clean. And it's just an enjoyable one that I look forward to every week. So pretty yeah, pretty I fun. Think it's good to have a list of different genres because you need different things for different times like when I'm cleaning late at night or you know just doing something that I really don't want to do I need an entertainment po- podcast mm-hmm. when I'm stuck and I need a solution to a problem I go through the archives of my favorite uh, mom podcasters and see how they've dealt with that um so you know you just different podcasts for different for different tasks or different moments in your day mm-hmm. just kind of like having different books open, you know, different books for different uh, scenarios too. Absolutely. Yeah, like I love um, the Life Coach School with Brooke Castillo. I am such a fan of hers and she's really changed my whole life. But I'm not listening to her podcast right now just because I feel like I've consumed so much of it. I need to practice it before I take in even more. Like I feel like you can totally have consumption overload with parenting principles, with life coach stuff, whatever it is. So sometimes you do need a little space. It doesn't mean you don't still love them and still revere the podcast and everything. But just knowing when's a good time to consume and when's a good time to act and create and put into action 
you kind of have to step back and, and realize what season are you in. And then you can always go back to listening. Right. And sometimes you also need quiet so you can mm. listen to promptings or whatever or, or just just have some, some peace to reflect on what you need to be thinking about. Yeah, that is a great point too. I don't carve out that much time for that, which uh, Me neither. <laughs> definitely has, has its purpose as well. Well, Whitney, I love so much the work that you're doing and we're going to get to kind of where you're at in motherhood right now, but your motherhood journey started out not quite as picture perfect, I guess, quote unquote, that you would say you really struggled with infertility for four or five years. Can you tell me about that time going into motherhood and kind of how that shaped when you finally did become a mother? I mean, an experience like that kind of changes your worldview. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it really does. Um, I got married really young at 20 and I still had two years left of college. So I finished that up. And after that, we were ready to start our family. We, I had always wanted to be a mom of a large family and I just figured it would just happen. You know, we all think that and it kept not happening and not happening. And, uh, we moved a couple times. We ended up in Minnesota for my husband's medical school and still wasn't getting pregnant. And, um, I had been working from home as a tech writer, but I found this job at a magazine. Um, it's a trade show magazine called exhibitor magazine. And, uh, so I started working and I loved my job and I moved up really quickly. Um, I just worked for a guy who took risks. And so he promoted me to the editor at a really young age when I really didn't know what I was doing. And then we launched another magazine. So here I was pretty fresh and then we're launching this whole new quarterly magazine. So I had a lot of fun challenges at work. I really enjoyed it, but I still really wanted my main career to be motherhood and it wasn't happening. So in that time, I had a lot of great friends who pretty much just let me adopt their children. I spent a lot of time with their kids. I'd volunteer to babysit. I'd take them on hikes. I would do all the things that my mom used to do to me, like go on adventures, things like that. I'd take them to the zoo, whatever. And so I had this group of little kids that were, quote, unquote, my kids. But I really um, wanted children of my own. Mm-hmm. So we um, we went through all the testing, and nothing was wrong. So we just moved forward. We did IUI. We, you know, nothing worked. We eventually got up to the step of in vitro. So we started in vitro and we got the test back, the pregnancy test after the first round of in vitro. And it was negative. And we're like, okay, regroup. And then they called me back and they're like, "Uh, actually, we've read your test wrong. You're pregnant. You need to come in immediately and uh, start resuming your shots. And that was, um, yeah, that was a huge shock. (laughs) I was at work sitting at my desk and I immediately like started bawling. I called my husband. He thought somebody had died because I couldn't even (laughs) get the words out. I told him I was pregnant. I hung up the phone. I like ran like a wild woman through the office and I was like, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. (laughs) And I just ran, (laughs) I just ran to the hospital in in Rochester, Minnesota, everything's connected by tunnels because you can't go outside or you die And <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> Literally. So I just like was running through these tunnels underground like a little rodent and I made it to the hospital so they could give me a shot and that was the beginning of my pregnancy. So. Wow. 
Well, you would think they would pay really close attention to reading those tests before they deliver any type of news. Like, you have one job. Read the test right. right. Deliver the correct the tests, news. Like, the pregnancy test is a pretty common one. You would think right. that that would have been the right one. But two, anyway. Two lines. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, not everybody gets that outcome. And I'm sure, yeah. you know, a year, two, three years in, you probably did wonder, like, what is going to be next and how are we going to grow our family and things like that. So was there anything that you told yourself or learned during that time or that you would tell people that are struggling with a similar path right now that can help bring them or keep the hope realizing we aren't really in control of any outcomes, but we know that there's a plan and that everything will be okay, but it may not look the way that you thought it would look. Yeah, I learned that so many times over. In the moment, um, there were some really hard times. Like one of the ones that stands out was when my 14-year-old cousin got pregnant Mm. and obviously not planned. And But it was a rough time for her to get pregnant and it wasn't intentional. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered how are all these teenagers getting pregnant and all these people – who are not ready to care for a baby, how are they getting pregnant when I'm so ready? I am ready to prepare this great home for this baby. And why is it not happening for me? What am I doing wrong? What, you know, what's the reasoning behind this? And will it ever happen? Um, a lot of people, a lot of people back away and they're afraid to talk to you about their own pregnancies or their own children because they think they'll offend you. And some people actually, it is hard for them to go to baby showers and stuff mm-hmm. like that when they're struggling with infertility, but I wanted to be there celebrating. It kind of was more hurtful to me if they kept their pregnancy a secret longer from me than if they just shared the news and let me share in the joy with them. Um, I know that's very individual, but now that I can look back, I can I can see precisely why the Lord chose that timing for me because I was able to have this awesome career. I, I reach, achieved somehow in that short span of time that I was working at this magazine, I was able to be a magazine editor, which is my ultimate, was my ultimate career goal. I traveled, I went to trade shows all over the country. I managed other writers. I, I had a great, great career and I learned mostly that I could I learned confidence in my writing and my editing skills. Now that that's all behind me, I have been able to merge those two careers, which is amazing. So I've been able to be a mom and a writer and launch this How She Moms franchise, whatever it is. And I would not have had the confidence to do that had I not been able to have the career first. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting how you're talking about feeling kind of ready for certain things and like you said you you achieved a job position as a magazine editor that you didn't feel qualified for and it was kind of a stretch thing but yeah you you just rose to the occasion and I think sometimes we think it has to be like a physical job that we take on that we you know, associate being equipped for that job. But sometimes it's just enduring a certain season or enduring a certain challenge that that is the thing that we are being equipped for. 
right? And so enduring a season of childlessness for you and that refining process and that like that was what you were called to in that time in order for you to also be prepared for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so I think when we, um, my friend Allison says something to business owners, like when they're just starting a business, they think like, I'm just getting started. And she's like, starting your business is not the starting point. Like you have so much experience prior to that, that has gotten you to where you are. Like this is not the beginning of the story when you just start the business or trademark the, pro- the product or whatever it is, it starts way before that. And so I think those years of infertility for you and those ups and downs. And for me, it took 18 months to get pregnant um, with minimal intervention at that 18 month mark. But I started throwing baby showers for people because I was feeling myself get starting to get a little bit like, gosh, I want that for me. And, but I so desperately want to be happy for other people. And so I didn't want to fake it. I wanted to genuinely do that. And so I just said, let me throw you a baby shower. Nobody knew that's kind of why I was doing it. But it really did help me to not shirk away from those friendships and those celebrations just because there was also pain associated in that season. You know what I mean? So it's kind of an interesting way to think about it. That's a great attitude, yeah. So now you have a bunch of kids. (laughs) I do. You have a ton of kids. And I really loved how when we were talking about podcasts, you said – career podcasts and you said motherhood podcasts as that and you have remarked several times in this conversation so far that you really view motherhood as your career your chosen career and I don't think we talk about it like that very much it's kind of like the thing we default to once we're done with our job and once we want to stay at home like it's like a demotion and that's that's the common way we talk about it and then I think there's a lot of expectations that come from that type of association. So tell me about how you view motherhood as a career versus kind of how the world views it. Well, and I think, I think, um, even if you have another career, you have two careers. If you're a mom, the minute you get pregnant, that becomes a career. And I, I didn't realize that right away. I, I knew I wanted to, my mom stayed home with us and I, I loved that, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. But like you said, I was kind of thinking that as a default, like mm-hmm. you get, you have a baby, you become a mom. But um, when I was pregnant with my third, is when I really figured that out because I had, I had kind of trailed off my my editing job. I had worked part time a little bit, but by that time, I was overwhelmed, and I I dropped all the all the side editing I was doing, and I was just focusing on motherhood, but I looked around and I was in chaos. My house was a mess. I mean, granted I was pregnant and I had two toddlers, so (laughs) it's survival mode, but I I looked around and I thought, if this is my career, if this is what I've chosen instead of my editing career, I'm really bad at this. Mm. (laughs) This is not where I want to be. And I have not been trained for this. I didn't go to school to be a mom but that's what I'm choosing to spend all my time doing. I need to seek out my own education and I need continuing education for moms. Like just like a nurse would get CME credits or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed to treat this thing that I was spending all my time doing as a career. And with that comes education. I think you're a genius. You are so, this is so, so smart. Um, 
if we were to quantify how much time moms talk, myself included, and maybe yourself, how much we talk about that we don't know what we're doing, if we just swapped out that amount of time and energy with actually proactively trying to figure out at least something that works in the meantime and gathering new data about, you know, developing new skills or trying a new parenting technique, if we just swapped out the commiserating with that, imagine, imagine what yeah. we'd all be capable of. <laughs> and some of that commiserating actually counts. So okay. when I was an editor, I, um, I had an editorial advisory board that when I was clueless, I'd be like, hey guys, we need a meeting and I need to figure out what you're doing for this and this and this. So I consider some of that um, commiserating with other moms some of that is career development. It's having a board meeting. So I started telling my husband when I when I had lunches or playdates with other moms, I'd say, oh, I had a board meeting today. <laughs> and I would even go to some of those with a topic. I'd be like, I need help with whatever, potty training or mm-hmm. keeping this or this clean. Um, I need help. What do you guys do? Yes. I love that. I love that so much. And Moms are so good for that, right? Like we all have our own experiences and not everything works for every person and definitely every child is different. So you do have to customize it to your own values, your own kids, their ages, your stage in life, things like that. But we can learn so much from one another. And that's why I love bringing a diverse group of moms on this show. Because even if you're not walking the same path as them, there's so much we can learn from each other. And so I love this approach so much. So you really intentionally kind of systematically made a list of all these different areas where you felt like, okay, these are the different segments of my career of motherhood. So for example, organization, cooking, lawn maintenance, auto maintenance, childhood education, things like that. And you like went to town studying, right? Tell me, so tell me about that. How did you decide on what things you wanted to cover, the order, where you found resources? Tell me about that. So I, I, the first thing I did was I started a file on my computer called Archibald Inc. And then I divided <laughs> it into subfolders. So yeah, it was sometimes I'd get fancy and call it like culinary arts instead of cooking yes. so that it sounded like a real course I was taking. And um, I would, I just broke it down into all the different departments of this corporation of the tasks that I was doing. So the housekeeping department, like you, you listed several, but then I would really just look around and see what I was struggling with the most, which one was not running smoothly and which one needed a system. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't create systems for your whole house all at once. And so, um, I really started with the kitchen because I've always struggled with keeping my kitchen clean, doing my dishes before I go to bed. I know that's appalling to some people, mm-hmm. but so I, it seems weird, but I actually went to the library and got books about like house cleaning books. They all had a chapter on kitchen and I figured out the most efficient way to do it and the one that would work for me. And I, so I chose one a month, one thing to focus on a month. And then I'd set a little goal within that thing. I'd study it. I'd ask other moms and then I would set a goal. So I'd, for that one, it was obvious just kitchen clean before I went to bed every night. And I was like, I just made that my top priority. So other things maybe fell by the wayside, but I was like, no matter what this month, I'm going to bed with a clean kitchen. Hmm. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty straightforward example, but there were others that I've just, um, for example, once I, I've always struggled with, um, 
being a know-it-all. So that may seem like a weird thing to put in this career development thing, Mm -hmm. but I noticed it was like annoying to me and it was, it was, uh, getting in the way of some of my relationships. And, and so I focused a whole month on that. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to work on not being a know-it-all. And so I even read stuff about that. And what is this phenomenon? Why am I like this? And then I set a goal and I would give myself pep talks before each, before each, play group or each social interaction. And I'd say, okay, you have to say these three things in the conversation. You have to say, oh, I didn't know that. Or what a great idea. Or I've never thought of that. And so even even weird things like that, I've gone for a month. Oh, this is so smart. And I love how you said you started with the things that weren't working. Right. And so, so many times we continue dwelling on, oh, well, this isn't working like the junk drawer that's never organized. And you're frustrated every time you can't find a pair of scissors versus just taking, putting on your to-do list that you are going to tackle the junk drawer. And it's literally going to take you 15 minutes to just handle it and put scissors. So they're always in the same spot, right? Or attaching it to the drawer with a string so that they never leave, whatever it is. So for this person listening who's not sure where to start, think about the thing that bugs you nearly every day. Like what is the something that is really not working? And maybe start really simple and small, something that you can tackle and kind of gain momentum from. You know, if you know nothing about auto care, maybe learning how to check your oil is not the thing <laughs> to start with. But like you said, the kitchen... I bet that brought you such peace after a month of developing those new habits and gaining that new education. Did those habits stick with you after that? I was always better. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, it always it always gets a little. Um, I was always on to the next thing the next month, and so it wasn't my top priority. But I knew I could do it, and I had the skills now, and I I had a system for it. So mm-hmm. I'm always better off after I've focused on something. Um, it, it also helps you realize that it is about priorities. So just knowing that if you make something a priority, you can make it happen. Um, that's, that's half of the, that's, that's a lot of what I learned from this is that I'm capable of a lot more. Mm. Um, do I still leave dishes in my sink sometimes? Yeah, but I know I can do it if I make that my priority. Um, and then one great example is, cooking. So when I, when we got married, um, my husband lovingly refers to our early married food as prison food. Um, (laughs) he didn't call it that in the moment. (laughs) I'll give him that credit, but you know, I didn't have good cooking skills when I came in. And so the first time I focused on cooking and I've focused on it several times, the first time I just focused on adding one new recipe a week. And that was what I did. And I was slowly building my skills Later on, this was when um, I think I, after I had my fourth baby, I decided I needed to up my game, and I, I found this awesome cookbook. It's called The Science of Good Cooking by the America's Test Kitchen, and I decided to really learn the science behind cooking and learn to be a really good cook, and so I cooked my way. It took me a year and a half, and I cooked my way through that entire cookbook. Now I'm, I, I'm not a cook that needs a recipe. I just kind of invent things and because I know the science behind it. So again, with that education, it has empowered me to have confidence in the kitchen that I wouldn't have had if I weren't doing this little 
uh, career development program I have for myself. See, I think that's so great. I'm so glad you said that it didn't remain perfect because the goal is not perfection in ourselves, in our home, anything like that. The goal is to move closer to having a happy functioning home, right? And it doesn't need to be perfect. If you're tired at the end of the day and you would rather snuggle up with a good book at the end of the day than do your dishes, you get to choose that. That is always your choice. And if that is sounds better than doing the dishes, that is just fine. But knowing you have a system to fall back on when you are starting to get that rising anxiety that your kitchen is spiraling or you're getting that rising anxiety that the bills are piling up and your systems have fallen by the wayside, to have something to fall back on when those issues are coming more to the forefront again. Because I think in different seasons, different things take priority and you give things different weight at different times, right? And so right now, I'm not in a huge meal planning phase um, versus other times in my life where it's like I have – lived and breathed on my meal plan, right? Just because, but but it's not stressing me out to not have a meal plan right this second because we're doing other stuff that works for us just fine and we're getting by. You yeah, know, and because, you have the skills, mm-hmm. you know how yes. if you need it. Um, yeah. But but yeah, and those systems also change. You have to revisit those systems when your kids enter different phases of their lives, when you enter different phases of your lives. So you know, it's, it's a constantly evolving process. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And so you actually categorize learning as self-care. And to be honest, I've never heard that lumped in in the self-care type list, right? Tell me how you think of it as self-care. And for moms listening, how can they incorporate more of this learning into their own priorities of self-care? Yeah, for me, it's the number one form of self-care. Um, I've always loved learning. In fact, when I graduated from college, I was so sad. I was so sad to be Mm -hmm. done. I loved learning. And often when we, either when we graduate or maybe when we become moms, we kind of let that aspect of our personhood go by the wayside. And, you know, I get it. We're in survival. When you're surviving, you're not really thinking of your intellectual needs. But the first time i uh, joined a book club, for example, it's like, oh my gosh, I have been letting this go and I have not been taking care of this part of me that is such a large part of my identity. And for me, that was a self-care revelation. I was just mm-hmm. like, I need to talk about ideas instead of just logistics. I I am not a logistics person. I'm not really good at it and I don't enjoy it. That's one of the main reasons I listen to podcasts, in fact, is to get through the logistics, yeah. <laughs> folding laundry, things like that. But that's, again, that's keeping my mind engaged. That's feeding that part of myself so that I I know who I am and I, I'm able to engage with other people through ideas instead of just, hey, what do your kids do today? You mm-hmm. know, we can, we can talk about um, important things. I often... I always try to surround myself with people who I categorize as mom philosophers. (laughs) Maybe that sounds kind of hoity-toity or something, but I think that if you can relate what you're doing in motherhood to bigger ideas, it puts things into perspective and yeah, we can all be mom philosophers and feed that intellectual curiosity that we naturally have. Okay. I am just so blown away by how the vocabulary you use about motherhood 
really changes the way we and you esteem motherhood, right? And I think so many times we picture moms as wearing sweatpants, messy top knots, no makeup, no time to shower. And like, who feels good in that state long-term? Like nobody. But if that's kind of what society's telling us motherhood is versus surrounding yourself with a board of motherhood philosophers and trying to up your motherhood game, not to be perfect, not to compete, not to compare, but to genuinely just enjoy it the most and be stimulated by motherhood. That's a completely different view. One of my favorite and most stimulating things is when I meet a mom who has a totally different philosophy than me and totally different strategy. And instead of like butting up against each other, we can open each other up so much. Like even even little things like um, the way view allowance Mm -hmm. or the way the way you do laundry can be totally different and and there there can be a philosophy about laundry I my philosophy about laundry is do it as quickly and easily as possible and to teach my kids how to do it I have friends who just really want their clothes to look nice and and you know we all have philosophies whether we call it that or not the more we can find out about each other's ideas and philosophies, the more we can find solutions that work. Yes, 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 yes. And when you you can either solicit it from other people, like you said, sometimes you go into a play date with like a question on your mind. And sometimes it's just asking the right questions, saying like, you know, what are you doing that's working for you about this? Or, you know, how's it going in your house? And letting people just talk and open up. I don't think that a lot of us are given the opportunity or create opportunities for those types of discussions very often. We keep it very logistical and, you know, where do your kids play Little League? But it's like, what are you doing with your kid who's having anxiety at school? Have you encountered this before? Are you having homework struggles? How are you doing this without, you know, causing more contention in your home? Like these are the conversations that really matter because they have lasting consequences. So I'm curious, you you were talking about how stimulating that is for you among your mom friends and everything. What do you think your kids are getting out of this as they're watching you pursue learning and taking your career as a mom seriously? Are you very intentionally and explicitly telling them what you're doing? Or is it more of a modeling thing? And how are you seeing that trickle down into their own pursuit of learning? Well, that has actually been an amazing byproduct of my podcasts because moms are good at lecturing and we can lecture all day long, but my kids can really see my values and how intentional I am when they listen to my podcasts. Mm. So it's become a tool in parenting in a really funny way. Like I, I listen to it with them and then they'll be like, oh, that's where you got that. Mm. And and they'll they'll st- kind of start engaging in the philosophy. Oh, oh, so you're choosing this way. Maybe we should do this. I kind of like her her way to do this. And so um, they they do like that. I they think it's cool that that my voice is mm-hmm. on a podcast and and stuff. But it it's it's helped us have conversations about some of the bigger ideas. I I like to think of you know part of being a mom is raising taking care of the bodies of our children, you know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we get too focused on that. But what the most important thing we're doing is we're nurturing their minds. So if we can engage their minds in 
in some of these problems we're facing too, as they've gotten older, I incorporate them in that monthly thing that I'm learning about. And I ask their opinions and I show them some of the different viewpoints and say, what do you think about this? And so, so it really engages the whole family in that more intellectual pursuit and developing their minds as well as their bodies. Oh, I'm so encouraged by this conversation. So for somebody listening that is feeling motivated and inspired like I am, but is also like overwhelmed, right? Sometimes we feel like, okay, that's great for her and I'm super impressed, but I'm just like struggling to survive. What would you tell that mom listening about where to start in order to incorporate more learning and more systematic approaches to developing these systems in her home? Well, honestly, that is why I started How She Moms, because Mm -hmm. I realized that not everybody is so excited about research as I am, and not everybody has even the networks that I have. I've been always blessed with having really good networks of other moms, and so my whole intention in bringing this, basically all I've done is I brought my career development program to a podcast, and so I pick a new topic every month. I do all the research for you, so that's a step you can skip. You can, mm-hmm, you don't have mm-hmm. to be overwhelmed by the research. You can just look through my topics of whatever has been, whatever you've been struggling with. And I mean, that's one way that you could, you could just start tackling one at a time. Um, I think, I think it's just about starting small too, and really don't think you have to solve all the problems at once. Mm. Um, just, just picking one thing that you think would really improve your life if you could get on top of it. And uh, you can do that in any season. Maybe you've just had a baby. And so maybe your one thing is, you know, I'm going to make sure that all the diapers get to the garbage every day. And I'm going to really celebrate when that happens. Hmm. You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be something earth shattering. Um, It's just, um, it's just progress, incremental progress. That's all we can do. Yes. And yeah, like you said, getting your diapers to the trash might not seem like a big home run <laughs> for the day, right. but if it literally leaves your house smelling better and you feel like you followed through on that, like that was your intention and you followed through, it will feel like a big deal to you. You might think at the outset, oh, that's not big enough or that's not going to make a big enough difference, but any movement, any forward progression is better than staying where you are. That almost actually even got in my way of starting How She Moms in the first place because mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have anything together. And I mean, I have some things together, but I'm like anybody else. I'm, I'm a mess and I, I have a lot of things that I'm struggling with and you can really let that get in your way and say, oh, I can't start a podcast until I'm actually good about this. But I, I don't even interview experts very often. I've, I interview practitioners, which that's how I consider us moms. We are, we are practitioners. We're all, I am struggling as much as any of you. I have disciplinary behavioral issues in my family. I have uh, a messy house a lot of the time, things like that. None of us are going to look picture perfect probably ever in this life, you know, we, mm-hmm. but uh, we can't get that let that get in the way of sharing what what we do know with other people. And um, we can't get discouraged by the fact that we aren't perfect yet. Yeah. That is a great (laughs) way to wrap up. So tell people again, where can they find your podcast and where can they follow you online? 
So I'm just the How She Moms podcast. So um, I'm on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, or you can just go to my website, howshemoms.com, and all the episodes are up there. That's how you can um, look at some of the archives, some of the blogs from before I started podcasting may have topics that you need. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at How She Moms. And at on Facebook, I have a group that um, you can, it's a closed group, but anybody can join, any moms can join. Um, and that's the How She Moms group. It's pretty easy. It's all the same name. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Whitney, this has been such an inspirational, motivational conversation. I'm so excited for everybody to just pick one thing in their life that's holding them up, keeping them from feeling full joy of motherhood or having their family not fully functioning and just start with that one thing and they can get some great ideas from you on your podcast. And But I bet if they thought for five seconds they could identify something that is like their Achilles heel of yeah. like, this is the thing that just constantly comes back up address that one thing and get get moving on it well this has been so wonderful i want to close with the final question that i asked my guests and it's the new season of the podcast and so we're going back to the og final question i don't know if you're around for that but the question is what would you tell your pre-motherhood self I should have come prepared for this answer, for this question, because I knew it was coming and I kind of forgot. Okay, the biggest thing that I would share is something that I'm really passionate about, and it's that there is no wrong way to be a mom. And there are so many right ways that will even change throughout your own motherhood journey. You have strengths as a mom and as a person that make your own motherhood completely unique. And you can't compare that to anyone, and you can't even compare it to yourself in other stages. And you just have to do the best you can at each stage and realize that it's all, as, as long as you're trying, it's right. Mm. I think that is such a great response. I think so many of us do set out in motherhood thinking what kind of mom we're going to be, how our kids are going to respond to our mothering, <laughs> and we just think our effort is going to yield a certain outcome. And when it doesn't happen, because it never does exactly how we thought it would, we blame ourselves. And I love how you said there's so many different types of motherhood because, yeah, a couple kids in, you start to realize, huh, we're all doing it in our own way. And I am bringing something unique to the table. And I do. Well, and all the kids, yeah. all the kids bring something unique to yes. the table. There's, there's different, I different, I parent my individual children differently from each other. Mm -hmm. And so with all those different combinations of moms and kids, there are endless iterations of what motherhood looks like. Well, now that I'm stressed out, no, just kidding. <laughs> that is so true. That is great advice. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. I hope everyone will check out your podcast, How She Moms, and follow you online because you are just a wealth of information. And I appreciate you doing all the research for us so that we can just get the shortcuts to knowing these basics and these systems. Really appreciate it. Wasn't that so fantastic? That is just what I needed to start my new year. And not that you need, ever need to wait to start something positive in your life, but there's just something great about 2020 starting out fresh in January. It's my birthday month. My birthday is today actually. January 14th, and I am going to choose one thing. I'm going to think about it really hard. I'm going to think of one thing that I want to work on 
next month. So for the month of February, what is the one thing? Two years ago in the month of February, February happens to be my favorite month because it's the shortest and I love doing something that's really hard for me knowing that I did it for a full month, but yet it's a few less days. <laughs> and so a couple years ago, I ran or walked, I moved a mile per day in February. Every single day in the month of February, I moved a mile. And as a non-runner at that time, and now again, I'm a non-runner, that was a big, big thing for me. And you better believe I definitely started out by walking the first week or two. And then I gradually started, you know, jogging, walking, jogging, walking. And then I was running by the end of February and it felt so good. And so maybe I'll do that in February because I do really want to make exercise and my health more consistent. And I think by creating a new habit of consistently moving my body every day, that would be a good thing to focus on in February. Um, So whether it's something where you want to map out all the things you want to cover, kind of like courses you want to take for the whole year, or whether you just want to take it one month at a time, what's your Achilles heel right now? What new habits do you want to establish this year to set you on a better path? Are you going to want to go to bed with a clean kitchen like Whitney mentioned, and find a system that works for that? Is it reading more? Is it moving your body? Is it working your way through a cookbook? How fun does that sound? Working your way through a cookbook so that you can improve the way that you're able to provide meals and family dinners for your family. And to be able to cook without a recipe, I can't do that. So what if I made it a goal to learn more so that I could actually do that? Just because you can't do it today or don't have that skill set today doesn't mean that you can't acquire it. So I love this idea of treating motherhood as a profession, treating the aspects of motherhood and the aspects of your life in general in a way that's kind of like, what courses do you need to take to make those improvements or to gain more education in a certain area? I love this conversation with Whitney so much. Definitely check out her podcast, How She Moms, if you are interested in learning more and hearing from other practitioners about the passions that they have. She's so awesome. Everything's linked over at my podcast um, website, extraordinarymomspodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. So grateful that you're here. It's my birthday week, and if you have not already especially if you're new around here, would you leave a review for the show? You guys have been so generous in leaving reviews for the show in the past, but I haven't asked for reviews in a while, and so I haven't been getting that many organic new reviews. So if you would just hop over onto whatever platform you listen on, be it Apple iTunes or um, Stitcher or Podbean or wherever you listen, and just leave a review telling people what you love about the show it really helps new moms to find the podcast so thanks so much thanks so much for being here and supporting the show and thanks again to Whitney for being here and we'll see you next week everybody for another episode with another extraordinary mom bye